One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. It's my screen time too. Welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming, from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. Tony is 11 and Libby and Nate are eight. I, Katie, have two kids. Jay is six and Kenny is three. And they're pretty adorable, aren't they? They are. I feel like I have an extra lightness in my step today because it was the first day of school and my kids looked so cute and so big. Oh, does it kind of break your heart a little? A little bit. Tony started middle school today. Wow, I can't believe it. Yeah, he has a three ring binder that's like barely fits in his backpack and like 10 notebooks. I remember those days. Get ready for the back pain, kid. It's a coming. <laughs> How about your kids? Um, They're trucking along let's see we had a funny moment uh, a couple nights ago when well it wasn't it was over the weekend and it was during quiet time because jay obviously is six years old he doesn't take a nap but we do have them do quiet time in the early afternoon so we can like talk about our plans for the day Mm -hmm. like anything that we need to get done so when we have like grown-up talk time during quiet time we close ourselves in our bedroom because our house is pretty echoey Mm -hmm. and we don't want them to hear what we're talking about so we are closed in the bedroom and the doorknob starts like ominously turning (laughs) like it would in like a horror movie Um, and there's no sound from the other side like no one's talking it's just like the doorknob moving slowly and then it'll stop and then it'll start again. And obviously, <laughs> we're noticing this. We know what's going on. One of the children has decided that their quiet time is over, but is not willing to talk to us about it. So we start joking. Oh, my gosh. Is that a ghost? Is 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 the ghost out again? Oh, my gosh. I thought he went away. Oh, we have a ghost in the house again. We'll have to tell the boys. And then Kenny, who, of course, it was on the other side of the door, starts going, (laughs) (laughs) just playing right into our game. And it was really cute. Although, like, also kind of side note, annoying that he had gotten up from quiet time. But we were cracking up too hard to really be that upset about it. Good for him. That's some good improv. You say yes. (laughs) Yes, and... Uh, now we can move on to our screen time in the news segment. Uh, we are discussing today an August 30th article from the New York Times by Chris Buckley. And the headline it was given is China tightens limits for young online gamers and bans school night play. You look really excited. <laughs> I loved this story so much. Oh my gosh. I am excited so to much. hear why. Oh my gosh. I mean, there's so much 
astounding news. And I read most of it just with my regular RBF. But this article, I saw the headline and I clicked on it and I like gasped. <laughs> and then as I was reading it, I just started laughing. <laughs> it's just like for an American, it's so preposterous to think that a government could have this type of control on its citizens. I love it so much. And then I got the sense from this New York Times take that the government was kind of doing it to be a scapegoat. So parents could say like, well, the government says. So kids wouldn't like be mad at their parents. I know the sentence that really got me was that they implemented this new rule, which is like a further tightening of an already pretty tight rule from 2019 where they had implemented it because parents had complained of laxity and weak enforcement. And I know that by weak enforcement, they mean enforcement against the tech companies that make the video games. But in my head, these government agents are like going door to door to homes <laughs> to like look in on these children. You've exceeded your allotted time limit. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it works out. I hope that the children of China can do better in school this year. I don't really know that that was a concern. I mean, it's a constant American parental boogeyman that the children studying in China are already outpacing us. So I don't think we need to give them another leg up. Listeners, just really quick to summarize this new law for you. <laughs> so... Minors are now banned from online gaming at all on weeknights, and they can only have one hour a day on weekends. And the change from 2019 is the 2019 law said 90 minutes on weekdays and three hours on the weekends. So it's quite a bit more strict, but the existing law was still strict by American standards. And really the only company that it talks about in the article is this company called Tencent Holdings that makes most of the online games. In China, I guess. I don't know enough about online gaming to speak to that aspect of it. But yeah, it was just like such a topsy-turvy world moment to even read this because we're living through such a time where our government is struggling to mandate even the simplest things um, and coming up against a lot of resistance from individualists. That to think that there is any place on this globe where such specificity can be mandated is kind of bonkers. Yeah, without even data backing it up. Like we've read <laughs> enough articles about academic studies to know that it's nebulous and amorphous. Like nobody really knows what the consequences of a ton of screen time is on kids. And it's just very subjective. Like con like you have to weigh content and what else they're doing and stuff so this seems like pretty arbitrary sorry I totally got a whole ahead of myself to talk about it without <laughs> actually talking about what was in the article the thing that Kevin brought up when we were talking about it um was that they don't say how they determine what qualifies as online gaming like is there a whole other silo of things that are like educational games that are okay like 
there must be some set of rules that say like this game you're making qualifies as online gaming versus whatever the Chinese equivalent of ABC Mouse is probably not held to such restrictions, would you think? That's a really good point. I envisioned it like, uh, what's that app called? Is it like Freedom where you turn off? It just turns off the internet at a certain time. Yeah, I envisioned it like from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Friday night, like (laughs) Freedom gives you an hour and then it shuts it all down. (laughs) That's probably not how it's working, though. Yeah, there's no information about the specifics of how this works in the article. It was kind of like your typical of the New York Times lately. Isn't this a weird article that like doesn't really go into much detail? Hey guys, isn't this weird? Uh, listeners, if you want to weigh in and let us know what you think about this law and what your screen time policies are now that school is back in session. Let's dive into today's topic. We're talking about the new movie, Cinderella. It was just released on September 3rd on Amazon Prime. We haven't reviewed anything on Amazon Prime in a long time because their children's content isn't as full-bodied as some other streaming services. (laughs) So this movie was produced by Fullwell73, which is James Corden's production company and Columbia Pictures. It was originally supposed to be a theatrical release in early 2021. It kept kept getting pushed and then it was eventually sold to Amazon. It's rated PG. It's an hour and 50 minutes, which is normal for musicals. It was written and directed by Kay Cannon, who wrote all three Pitch Perfect movies. It stars Camila Cabello as Cinderella and I did not know who she was you until. Too? Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. I feel so much better. <laughs> She's like a really big star. I had to look it up, like look up what her big hits were. And I was like, oh, that Havana song. Okay. I know that. I did recognize that. I didn't know who's, who was behind it. And she was in the group Fifth Harmony, which I vaguely have heard of. <laughs> We're just a couple of boomers watching kids shows. (laughs) Anyway, there is a stellar supporting cast, including Adina Menzel, Billy Porter, Minnie Driver, Pierce Brosnan, um, and James Corden even makes a little appearance. We all know the story of Cinderella, but this time it's a musical, but it repurposes existing pop songs. And I think there's one original song that's kind of the theme of the movie and there's a little bit of a spin on the traditional Cinderella story because Ella played by Camila Cabello isn't looking for Prince Charming as like an escape hatch out of her life like she has her own plans and dreams of a career for herself and we picked it why because we love musicals (laughs) yes we do we didn't do a splashy summer musical this year so it was time right right did you just say that you love James Corden well I never really watched his show but carpool karaoke like that clip I've watched a ton of those 
I was not aware until we started doing research for this episode just the extent of the internet's hatred of James Corden. I didn't know that either. I think he's charming. I think that's the point, but he has a reputation for not being actually charming in real life. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never meet your heroes, kids. This was kind of a interesting one to figure out where to dive in. So I thought the question that makes the most sense is like, what is your touchstone Cinderella? So when you went to sit down and watch this, like what is the little like Cinderella on your shoulder that you're thinking of as you're consuming this? I think I can't say pretty woman because that's the gritty HBO reboot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Definitely the Disney original is what I think of immediately. How about you? I grew up watching like a filmed version of the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. So that's what comes to mind first for me. And that's why I think the idea of a new Cinderella musical had a long way to go in my head because I'm quite fond of that version. That sounds really good. I don't think I've ever watched it. I mean, I imagine it's hard to watch now because they don't really like do them like that we also had like a filmed version of the peter pan musical too which is my like touchstone peter pan instead of the uh, (laughs) disney version (laughs) (laughs) so i didn't really think that we needed a new cinderella musical i mean we have i mean not that i'm expecting people to watch this weird old recorded version of the rogers and hammerstein version but there's the brandy whitney houston version that is Mm -hmm. still quite popular Mm-hmm. And for non-musical Cinderella adaptations, we just got the Disney update not too long ago, 2015 maybe? So I guess I didn't see what, where there was a hole in the culture demanding a pop remix Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Speaking of pop remix, what's your feeling on musicals that repurpose existing songs like this? They're kind of weird. I think they're kind of a crass money grab a little bit. Like there's so many Broadway ones. Like there's that that Carole King musical, which I love Carole King and her music, but does it really put together? Does it really make a narrative? Yeah. I guess I attach a stigma to them a little bit. And I don't know, in terms of this movie, I felt like I really liked all the songs that they chose. I really liked the performances, but they all feel too short because you're just getting like a little clip. I don't know. You're not getting like the whole song. There was literally nothing about this movie that felt too short to me. Virtually (laughs) every moment I was like, I have this much left. Like, how is there still this much of the movie? So I was not wishing for longer musical numbers. (laughs) So what do you think about uh, musicals that repurpose pop songs? Like, did you watch the Mamma Mia's? I did. I think it's a real mixed bag. Like, it can work and it can be awful. Even, like, the first time I saw Moulin Rouge, I was not into it. It has grown on me over the years. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really good example of the form. But yeah, like so many of the jukebox jukebox musicals, I'm just not interested. Mm -hmm. Like it it does. It feels crass. I think you hit the nail on the head there. And in this case, it's just 
I will say again, just why? Just why? All right. Here comes the big question. Did you like it? I liked it. Oh, How about you? Deborah, this is so cute. I can't wait to hear why you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. I thought that Camila was really, who plays Ella or Cinderella, I thought she was really charming as a lead. I loved all of the actors that played like the quote unquote adults, like the grownups in the movie. I thought that the choreography was super fun. I thought that the dialogue was like, like the characters had like no filter. Like they would just say what they were thinking. And the dialogue was like kind of snappy, but also there were like moments of vulnerability at the same time. I'll go with you on the snappiness of the dialogue. You can definitely tell when you know that it was written by the same person who wrote Pitch Perfect. It does have um, a little of that like irreverent feel to it. Um, I know it's not a perfect movie, but I did enjoy watching it. Tell me what you thought. <laughs> it was just not for me. Okay. <laughs> because okay. at every step of the way, I did keep asking myself why we needed this. Like, to my mind, we have a great Cinderella musical. We have a great recent Cinderella remake. And we have a great girl boss Cinderella movie already. And I will argue that it is the 90s classic Drew Barrymore ever after. Oh. I know yeah. that she doesn't want to be a fashion designer like the Cinderella mm -hmm. in this movie, but she does want to responsibly run her family estate and give a good life to her employees and be successful in that way. And I think... That was enough of a spin on the oh poor helpless Cinderella story. I did not need to have this extra element attached to it. Like if you want to make a story about a poor girl who wants to be a fashion designer, make that story. It mm -hmm. it did not in any way need to be Cinderella for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did you think of the songs that they chose? Okay, I think part of why I liked the movie is because because I liked most of the songs. Although I don't see a common thread. Like, how did they choose these? It was like they took like a bingo machine and like had songs pop out of it. And then they like put them on index cards and shuffled them around and then put them on the wall and like wrote a movie around those songs. It was such a weird mixed pig, like rhythm nation. You Gotta Be, Somebody by Queen, Shoop. Let's get loud. Yes. And then, I mean, this is like where the movie really, I was like a little bit on the fence and then they totally brought me in. It was like the White Stripes song where they had the rock <laughs> cello intro. And I was like, yep, okay, this is speaking to me. This is for me. Oh, <laughs> I, did, I did quite like that number because it was like a mashup. Yes, it was so good. Yeah, that was that was one of the one of the musical numbers I liked. Okay, you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> but it did to me. It felt like an episode of Chopped. You know how like they break out the basket and it's like you must make your meal out of gumdrops, flounder, 
and pretzels. Oh, and yeah. Then- it was a totally yeah. weird mix. <laughs> Incongruous. Like, I don't know how they came up with these. I mean, it was, was it based on, like, what they could get permission for? I Maybe? guess that probably had something to do with it. But speaking of versions that we already had that were better, did you watch the charming Anne Hathaway Cinderella-esque movie Ella Enchanted at any point? Oh, no, but that's a good one. They that's a good recommendation. They queens someone to love. Like, it's huh. already there in a Cinderella story. Why did we oh, need this? that's funny. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the cast. Okay. I guess we should start with Camila Cabello. You thought she handled herself admirably as a leading actress? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I, I thought she was a good Cinderella. I mean, I guess I can say she did everything the material demanded of her. <laughs> I also was, like, quite obsessed with the fact that throughout the whole movie, she had the same long, ratty braid, like... It was the ratty braid for all seasons, like for when she was cleaning the house and going to the ball. Like she never needed to change her hairstyle. Yeah. And they even, that even came up in the dialogue. The stepmother is like, you could be pretty if you would just brush your hair. <laughs> like, come on, Billy Porter. You can't like whip something up for her hair. Yeah, that's true. I don't know her music enough or her like personality enough she could have just been like playing herself too that's true although when there's a particular moment when she first interacts with the king like she is attending a royal announcement of some sort um and she has a little back and forth with the king and that was the first moment where I could really feel the pitch perfect writing like oh yeah I didn't feel like she was playing herself. I feel like I felt like she was delivering someone's lines. Mm-hmm. But her singing was good. I mean, she's a singer. I guess that should be expected. Um, what did you think about Adina Menzel, Elsa herself? I really liked her. This performance was more like her Uncut Gems performance. Sorry, I've never seen Uncut Gems. <laughs> So I did not realize until just this moment that she was in this movie. And I thought you were comparing like how Adam Sandler was all gritty and not Adam Sandler-y in that movie to like her performance in this movie. Oh, no, she's in that. Okay. She also is gritty and not Elsa like okay. in that movie. And she's just like stone-faced stepmother. Like she has some moments of vulnerability when she's revealing that she even even she had a dream that was unrealized because of the patriarchal society in which they live oppressed her. Here is my complaint about Adina Menzel. First okay. of all, she is better than this material. Second mm. of all, this is a movie musical that was made to be displayed on the big screen, not watched on your TV. Who was in charge of makeup and lighting for National Treasure Adina Menzel? She looked horrible. Like, she was framed way worse than anyone else. And I know, like, the character, the evil stepmother, like, she's not supposed to look good. But, I mean, there have been some truly stunning women who have played this role. Like, think Angelica Houston, Kate Blanchett. Like, there was no reason for them to film her in such an unflattering way. Hmm. Yeah. I can see your point. 
compared to like is she is around the same age as Minnie Driver? Probably. Yeah, because Minnie Driver looked amazing. She did. Song. Her hair was doing some serious work. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Why did they cast Pierce Brosnan in this role? I guess the joke was supposed to be we all know he's a bad singer, so he gets to play a bad singer in this movie. That casting choice felt weird, for lack of a better word, because he had like a he like had a like a Scottish accent, which I think isn't that his accent. But like nobody else had that accent. I don't think they were asking anyone to go outside their box. I don't think anyone was working with an accent that wasn't their actual voice. Okay, okay. That's my guess, at least. Okay, as far as casting is concerned, I guess the big twist that they made from all the uh, previous Cinderella adaptations was this character of the fairy godmother, played by Billy Porter, described in... articles and imdb as the genderless fab g what what did you think of their take on the fairy godmother i really enjoy billy porter so i liked it a lot did have you watched pose i have not no but i'm aware that that is where he's from Mm -hmm. i mean it reminded me a lot of his role on pose and just his looks on like the red carpet because he wears those like ball gown skirts with like a tuxedo top and it's just like totally his own he's just his own person (laughs) so to that point like again did it feel a little lazy like they're just having this guy in to play this character as essentially himself I maybe I guess because I find him so charming I liked it it reminded me also of um this was like a meme a few years ago and it was like a picture of like people sitting on a public transportation and like one was like obviously a trans woman and one is like a woman in like a hijab, I think. And the caption is like, this is the future that liberals want. Which like conservative people like would put up as like critical and like liberals were like, yes, this is the future that we want. Everybody <laughs> should get to be who they want and express themselves in the way that makes sense to them. So I, I don't know, I felt a little bit like, yeah, this is the godmother that liberals want. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm all for a genderless fairy godmother. I just think he was shirking on his duties. I mean, the hair. Oh, in terms of the transfer, the transformation of Cinderella. And I apologize. Yeah. I may be using the incorrect pronouns. I don't actually know. Well, I don't think he's genderless. I think he's non-binary. That being said, I don't know if he goes by he or they. Oh, shoot. Yes. I don't know either. Any any more of the cast that you wanted to touch on? What did you think of the um, Prince Robert actor? I mean, the fact that I just breezed right past it. He was like a nothing. Like, what even was this boy's arc? Like, he decided that he didn't have to follow royal expectation and become the king, right? Mm-hmm. 
and again, it j- I have so little tolerance for people who are like, I have all this privilege and my choice is to just completely abandon it and live how I want, benefiting from this privilege, but not like accepting any responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. I was not a fan. How about you? Mm-hmm. I liked it. I thought that his and... Camila's solo and duets. I thought they were super auto-tuned. I don't even remember. What song did they sing together? Um, It was the, like, the original. I can't remember the title. Okay, the one that was like a million, one in a million or something. Yeah. I can believe that, though. I mean, young people today, they can't sing. Get off my lawn. (laughs) Okay, boomer. (laughs) Okay, so this kind of segues into the look of the movie because James Corden played one of the CGI mice that later gets turned into a human to be one of the footmen. Did you have any thoughts on his performance? There was a funny scene where they were like, (laughs) because the mice in human bodies and they're just like clapping and like enjoying what human palms can do. I thought that was just like silly and funny and I liked that I didn't recognize the other two actors who played the mice turned into human footmen. I thought they were a funny trio. What did you think of the look of things when they were CGI mice? They didn't you can tell like their budget did not extend to like a transformation sequence because it was like essentially they just like pop they were men and pop they were mice again. Um, do, Do you think they looked like actual mice when they were in the scene? No, I think we've watched things where the CGI is a little more real. Like, let's, not realistic, that's not the right word, but let's use suspend your disbelief a little bit more than this did. What did you think of it? Again, it was one of those moments where, like, it seemed fine for, like, a TV quality production, but I just wonder what they were thinking, being like, yes, we are going to release this in theaters and it is going to be a success. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't know what the thought process was there. Maybe that... Camila Camila Cabello is uh, enough of a draw that that would bring people in. Um, Mm -hmm. And I guess I can't speak to that, but it did. It looked like a movie on a TV budget. Mm -hmm. Okay, we talked about this when we reviewed Aladdin, like the live action Aladdin. Like, this was like that in the like it takes place in like no time period because it has like some of the costumes and hairstyles are very modern but it's also set in like a renaissance era I don't know like you just have to embrace that it's of no particular time yeah. period and that no like it's a historical that is what it kind of looked like more than anything was a renaissance fair (laughs) like just a smattering of this like whatever people thought like fancy people wore yeah I did enjoy the ballroom scene where it's the what a man where all the ladies royalty from around the world are like introducing themselves to Prince Robert and like they were all wearing like really cool gowns and like some people had like shaved heads and like head decorations and I thought that was like a very fun scene to watch. This is definitely a nitpick but it bothered me a lot. So Cinderella toiling away in her basement atelier making these dresses 
and she finally manages to sell one. She gets some money and she buys, quote, the finest fabrics from the (laughs) fabric store. She gets them home, takes them out of her bag, and they're the exact same fabrics that she's been working with the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was not overly impressed with Cinderella's work. I don't even think she would have made the cut on like Project Runway, like the first episode. Agreed. What adult movie or show does this compare to? I mean, I already mentioned other musicals like Moulin Rouge and uh, Les Mis. But the one that really came to mind for me the most while watching it is, do you remember that period of time in the aughts when, like, every television drama was coming out with a musical episode? Oh, yes. So specifically, the episode of Grey's Anatomy, that was a musical (laughs) episode because they happened to have, like, a very successful Broadway actress in the cast who could sing. So I guess they thought this was a good enough reason to do a musical episode because no one else could. And like you could kind of see the desperation on everybody's face. It was not a pleasant hour of television, much like spoiler alert. I did not find this to be a pleasant hour and 50 minutes of movie watching. What did you think? What did you compare it to? Um, I thought of the movie Parasite, I think because. <laughs> Ella lives in the basement and she mentioned that she smelled like the basement (laughs) and like that underground smell is a prominent part of Parasite but like it made me think of that movie because like in the original fairy tale Cinderella is like condemned to this life of toil and unpaid drudgery and she wants to be chosen by Prince Charming so that she can live this enchanted life. But like, why does domestic labor have to be so denigrated? Like I understand wanting, like a woman wanting to have agency over her own life and choices, but like a life of, like we're a couple of homemakers, that life can be fulfilling. It's just like, it's not, Like, society doesn't value it. I'm telling you, go back to Ever After. I think it's a better choice. I want to see that now. Yeah. (laughs) Did you, have you never seen it? I don't think so. Oh, it's so 90s. It's like peak Drew Barrymore. I love it. You should watch it. Okay. (laughs) Were you able to cast the gritty HBO reboot? So yes and no. Because I don't feel like we need a gritty HBO Cinderella, but there are so many other fairy tales out there. And I think I've mentioned to you that my kids are obsessed with a podcast called Grim Grimmer Grimmest, mm-hmm. where they tell, you know, <laughs> for lack of a better term, the gritty versions of fairy tales um, that are the more real versions. So my absolute favorite episode of Grim Grimmer Grimmest is this fairy tale that I had never heard before called Hans my Hedgehog. Have you heard this fairy tale before? No, no. It is such a lovely story and I won't spoil the plot for you but it's about a half boy half hedgehog and his interactions with three kings. A king with a gold crown, a king with a silver crown, and a king with a copper crown. And to my knowledge there has not been a musical made about 
Hans my hedgehog major oversight let's correct it right now so since the character of Hans my hedgehog will obviously be heavily cgi'd and Jacob Tremblay seems to be like good at doing all of like the animated voices plus he plays like every difficult child character out there right now so he Mm -hmm. can be our Hans my hedgehog and then as far as the kings with the three different crowns obviously the king with the gold crown is evil and the king with the silver crown is evil so we'll just have James Corden be the gold crown king and we'll have Chris Pine who I actually loved when he was in Into the Woods um, be the king with the silver crown and then because the king with the copper crown is the good king and we just got a trial membership of, to Apple TV Apple TV plus and we've been watching <laughs> Ted Lasso so we can just have Jason Sudeikis be the king with the copper crown and there you go musical version of Hans my Hedgehog I'm telling you it's going to be great would it be original songs or would you do exist would you do a bingo role of existing pop songs that you can get permission to use I mean I feel like with this group of people they probably have a lot of experience playing middle school level improv games and I feel like that is how all these songs were put together in the Cinderella movie anyway so that might be fun let's just bingo wheel it (laughs) um so I when thinking about this I think a sequel to this actually makes sense because this version of Cinderella kind of queers it up a bit with the Billy Porter as the fairy god person. But I think an unexplored plot line would be Prince Robert's sister, who is a good character. Um, She gets to be the ruler of the land. And at the very beginning of the movie, that princess from another land down by the sea monster she's like kind of officious and very businesslike like she goes to prince robert to like uh propose an alliance yeah propose an alliance get married but they never have to see each other so what if when and that princess marry and we see what happens there and i would cast because this is hollywood and you can cast somebody who's like three years older than another person as their parent I would cast Janelle Monet because she is a really good musician and dancer. And Jonathan Groff because he's my favorite. He's my <laughs> new favorite. Sorry, John Show. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, As man. her parents. And I think that would be a really enjoyable sequel. I would watch it. Thank you. <laughs> Was it better when we were kids? Yes, we have so many better Cinderella's. I don't know how many more times I could say it, but there you go. I just said it again. What do you think? I guess in terms of originality, the original Disney one is pretty, um, like, you can't watch it with a straight face. It can't be, like, little girl's dreams anymore to, like, become royalty and be swept off their feet. So in terms of, like, realisticness, I kind of like this twist on the story better. We even have better, like, modern takes. I mean, even if you watch, like, the Hillary Duff, Chad Michael Murray, Cinderella story, that is better than this. Okay. Granted, it wasn't really from our childhood. We were probably in our early 20s when that movie came out. But (laughs) it has Jennifer Coolidge. So, like, on that basis alone. Right, right. 
but no Rocky and Cello. Um, so I think you've already, <laughs> you've already told us without telling us, would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? I mean, it did make me really want to go back and watch a lot of these other versions of Cinderella that I've liked a lot, because even though it has, you know, your standard fairy tale problematic gender elements baked into the plot, it is just such a charming, compelling story. Mm-hmm. I would not watch it alone, but I, I watched this without my kids, and I think it could be a fun one for family movie night. And I think I can even get Jeremy on board because it's got Mandy Bushell, like Dave Grohl's drumming prodigy, in does like a cameo at the end of it. I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. So I think this might be a fun one for our family to watch. Ten seconds on whether this is good for our kids. I attempted to watch it with my kids, and if I was put off by the length and the pacing, it was impossible for them. Like, they did not find any anything to latch onto that was entertaining for them. And they're on the younger age for who I would con- even consider for this story. So, not for a three-year-old and not for a six-year-old. But you think your older kids could find something to like there? Yeah, I think it could be fun for our family. I'm sorry, she's just going to bark. Uh, ratings? <laughs> I would give it a three and a half. Oh. You talked me down a little bit. <laughs> oh, I am glad I did. I would go so high as to give it a two because I can't give a musical a super, super low rating. But yeah, I cannot think of any more ways to say it just did not do it for me. And if you would like my annotated list of better Cinderella's, I am happy to provide it. <laughs> yeah, we should put that on Facebook for sure. Okay. <laughs> well, listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. Check out our website at myscreentime2.com. And you can find us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even Gmail at my screen time too. Send us your show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments about the show. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye! Bye!